It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, which is the home of Lacrosse Classified. This is Lax Class 188. About to come your way, Jake Elliott and Tino Santino Farah with you as uh, another big program lined up as we head for game number three. The decider is coming up this weekend in the NLL as the Colorado Mammoth have forced a deciding game. I'm looking forward to this sucker, and I'm looking forward to this program as well, Santino, as uh, we're going to have Jordan Gillis on in quarter number two. He was a big part of that Mammoth win. And we're going to go between the benches in Banditland and talk to Dave Buchanan, who has been uh, the sideline reporter there for the Bandits since I don't know how long. We'll ask him. It's been a while for Dave Buchanan, but we've never had either of these guys on the podcast. So we'll look forward to both of those chats in quarters two and three. And what else do we got? We got Lax Glass Logs, of course. One more round of NLL picks coming up in quarter number four. And Evan will be back, of course, as well. We'll take a quick peek in at the PLL, I'm thinking, too. And here in quarter number one, we got uh, Stampede Stallions, of course, brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. And uh, we got to talk about that game, too, that went down, Tino. But before we get into all of that uh, here on our Monday afternoon, I got woken up by, like, six arborists whacking a tree down across the street from me this morning wood chipper going at like 7 30 a.m not too happy about that but a little little grumpy here on a monday but uh feeling okay looking forward to to a big podcast here how's it going man yeah it's good uh tough break for you 7 30 wake up call after spending spending the night in the ridge yeah that's a that's a tough tough break but no yeah my my weekend was good uh spent the the entire weekend was in lacrosse arenas so pretty uh yeah, it was, it was great for me. Got to, I was out in Coquitlam watching that Trevor Wingrove tournament. Uh, had a game myself. And then, uh, yeah, just tried to relax last night. Tried to recover the body a little bit. Well, there you go. Um, we're going to talk about the Trevor Wingrove tournament here momentarily. I was, uh, well, I was in the swamp Friday night. Uh, Lakers had their home opener against the Bellies. That was a crazy finish in that game. 8-7 the final. And it came down to, to the last few seconds in that as the Lakers were trying to force overtime. But the Bellies hang on for a victory there. Then, Tino, I went out to the Flatlands, Brad Challoner country, and called the Junior A game between the Delta Islanders and Port Coquitlam Saints. But before that, it was the Thomas Hayden Memorial Senior B Pioneer alumni game. And I've been in a lot of arenas over the course of the past 30, 35 years, Tino. And I don't know if I've ever witnessed a scene like I did at the Ladner Leisure Center (laughs) for this Junior A game. I mean, the the alumni game was going beforehand, right? Before the game. So like, I want to say it was like a three o'clock start or something. So you can imagine by the time seven o'clock rolled around and the boys had finished up and showered and started to pint up 
what the atmosphere was like in that place. Plus, you know, the regular crowd, there was tons of kids in there and it was, it was bumping and bopping and hopping, man. And, (laughs) you know, I ventured out into, into the gardens in between intermissions just to kind of say hello to a few people. Logie was out there, Mitch Jones, of course, but saw tons of guys that, that I hadn't seen in years. Gary Benning and another guy. Like, I swear to God, like, all of Delta and Ladner was at the Leisure Center here. And then after the game, like, I, you know, I'm walking by the, the indoor beer garden because the outdoor beer garden, I don't know what time that thing shut down. Maybe when the the, the, the officials, the, uh, the law enforcement showed up around 11 o'clock or something. But, you know, I walked by the, the beer garden on my way out and... You know, I got grabbed by a couple of guys. Hey, come on up, man. And I was like, I just kind of looked and I was like, I am nowhere near your level right now. And I cannot <laughs> relate. Like, I just, like, I could not relate. You know what I'm saying there? It's like when you show up to a party at like 1 a.m. and everybody's just hammered and you're stone cold sober and you're like, well, this is fun. Right? So um, it was a time out there in, in Ladner, I can tell you that. And, and playoff time, when that rolls around, is, is going to be a scene to be seen. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. And then, and then of course, you mentioned it's Sunday, back out to Cam Neely Arena for Lakers and Berards. And Maple Ridge gets their first win of the season. They haven't played a road game yet, the Berards. One and two now, as they took down the Burnaby Lakers uh, 17-10, the final in that one. And Langley pulling out uh, a victory over Nanaimo on the island as Curtis Dixon scores with 15 seconds left to go in the game to win it 10-9 for the Thunder. And the upstart, Adnex Tino, with a big victory in Victoria, previously undefeated Shamrocks. Pat Coyle, head coach in Denver, coaching the NLL. So uh, young Tyson Abbott and Jared Pazabon coach the senior Adnax to a victory over in Victoria on Friday night. So there is your, your WLA weekly recap, I suppose. But uh, yeah, in a barn all weekend long. And on top of that, got a chance to check out some, some Trevor Wingrove lacrosse as well as we, Danny and I went to, to the gold medal games, which were going on simultaneously, the, the Bantams and the Midgets. And I almost thought that the Bantam game was more entertaining. This Langley Thunder Bantam team apparently has, well, they they lost one game in league play just recently, but this group of kids that have been together have literally been undefeated, from what I understand, for like 300 games, 300 plus games. Like they've never lost until like two weeks ago. And they, yeah, no, I'm not kidding. They're unbelievable, man, like unbelievable. And, and they played Coquitlam again in the final, which was the team that beat them. And they just like ran the table on them. Like, I don't know what the final was, but, uh, it was, you know, like 10, one, 12, one, something like that. So, uh, very impressive. And, and the junior thunder program is going to be real happy in a few years from now when those guys start graduating into into senior ranks and uh, I believe the midget Coquitlam boys won over Wanda Fuca and unfortunately for you and you, you now listen Tino you gotta be a little bit careful here because I am uh, very good friends with Craig Wingrove who I played junior lacrosse with you know the late great Les Wingrove is an absolute icon in the city of Coquitlam Hall of Fame all the rest of it Trevor Wingrove, I got one year of senior lacrosse with, and he's got a street named after him in the city I grew up in as well. 
So you got to be careful here. But you're a little upset with the way things panned out in the semifinal game for your Berards, who I know you coached a bunch of these guys. And it all came, you you lay this out because this is this is a little wacky to me, but apparently there is some precedent behind this. But uh, lay out the scenario here to the people of what happened in the semifinal game. Yeah. Okay. So I need to clarify first. I am not in, by any means upset. <laughs> I am, I am confused. And I just want to, like I said, just paint this picture and I'm not trying to get anybody in any trouble. I have no complaints about the tournament whatsoever. I just, I, I need, just let me paint this scenario because I've talked to a lot of people and a lot of people are as confused as I am. So yeah, like you mentioned, uh, the Berards, I'm a Ridge guy. So obviously I'm, I'm a little biased there, but I coached a bunch of these kids. So I went out all, all this weekend to watch a bunch of their games. They're in the semifinal against Wanda Fuca after regulation. This game is tied five to five. Okay. So they go to the 10, uh, full minutes of overtime. And after that, it's still tied It's seven to seven. Now. So after that, they go to their, uh, five minutes of sudden death overtime still tied. Okay. So I'm getting texts while this is going on from one of the parents, uh, of, of Ridge's goalie actually, cause I I've coached him a bunch of years in a row. Um, I love that family, but so, uh, she's texting me saying like, uh, Oh, it's still tied after, after the second overtime, I think they're going to a shootout. And I was like, Oh my God, keep, you have to keep giving me updates. This is incredible. <laughs> and then she says, no, they're going one V one. And I was like, part like what you videotape this for me? Like what, I, what is going on? And then, so she FaceTimes me. So I'm watching this. And so she's just like panning back and forth. So basically what it was, and I had never heard about this until yesterday, but basically what it was, was one player versus one player, uh, one goalie in each net. And they put 20 minutes up on the clock and they just said, go until someone scores. No line which, changes, no water breaks. Just Yeah. That's the, okay. That's the one thing that I have a bit of an issue with. Yeah. They're saying to these kids, no changes, no water breaks. After they've played it in multiple games all weekend yeah. long. Here, right? If there's, if there's anything out of all of this that I have an issue with, that's, that's it. How are you not allowed to have a water break here or something yeah. like anyways? So Jumbo, I sent you the video of this so you could take a look at what it looked like. Apparently, it's called like the Braveheart or something. Yeah. But so there is, so there is some precedent. I want to make this yeah, clear for sure. As well. but it's a field so across from, thing that yes. that has been amalgamated into box essentially. And I don't know yeah. if it's an Adnac thing or not, Tino. But I know some some people I talked to have had experiences with this from previous Adnac tournaments, not necessarily the Wingrove, but uh, so this has happened before. This has yeah. happened before in Coquitlam specific tournaments for whatever reason. But anyways, so um, I started reaching out to people. So I talked yesterday. I talked to four, uh, four people that are former refs. One of them being a former NLL ref. I'm not going to like name anybody, any names. Cause I don't know if they want to be named or whatever, but well, that um, narrows things down pretty close. <laughs> but anyways, uh, they were all telling me the same thing that you just said. Like none of, like none of them have seen this in box before. It's a field thing, but it's different in field because essentially you win the face off, you've won the game. It's it's kind of over in box. Obviously, way different. This so, went but they, seven minutes long, right? It actually went eight minutes eight long, minutes. so a little longer. And that's that's the other thing as well. So like in the midst of me like reaching out to a bunch of people yesterday, I also went on Twitter to say like, hey, has anybody heard of this before? Or like, what's what's going on here? And uh, it seems like the general consensus was people who were saying like, yeah, like people have flights to get on or people have like yeah. a ferry to catch. Like they're trying to make it end as soon as possible. Yeah. That's not the way to make it end as soon as possible. I don't understand how that was the option before going to four on four 
or three on three or even a shootout. Yeah. And I'm not, I, I would hate to see a, like a, such an important game like that to decide a gold medal matchup, go to a shootout. Yeah. But if the goal is, okay, we have to wrap this up. A shootout will end that way sooner than one V one. Yeah. Because Jumbo, like you look in the video I it sent was, you. Yeah. I mean, it's two. These kids are just... walking up the floor because yeah. they're gassed and they're not allowed any water or a break. I know. And it's essentially and, you put your two, you know, you put your best player out on the floor and, and hope he can beat the goaltender. And these guys, like you said, are absolutely gassed. And yeah, you're right. I, you know, I get the tournament schedule thing and, and the travel restrictions and all the rest of it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty odd way to end, especially a big game like that. Um, yeah. And both, before we move on, yeah. I, I need to shout out these four players that were on the floor, the two goalies and the two players, okay. because they're warriors. So I, I got their names. So the goalie for Juan de Fuca is Matthew Dennis. I hope that's not pronounced Denis, and I just butchered that. Nah, but uh, uh, Matthew Dennis. And and the forward that ended up getting the game winner, uh, Seth Fryer. And then for Maple Ridge, in net, it was Quinn Mulcahy. He's a, he's a guy that I've coached for a bunch of years. And Carter Smith was the guy that was just exhausted yeah. walking his way up the floor. So <laughs> shout out to those four guys because those are absolute warriors. And I cannot even imagine having to go through that. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Let's get rid of Braveheart. And if we have to go to a three or a five man shootout and, and like, that's my biggest issue with it is that you turn a team sport into an individual sport. And that's not what lacrosse is about shootouts might not, but at least it's entertaining and it's fun and there's some skill involved and in, in all the rest of it so uh, i'll have a word with the wingrove family here tino uh, before next year's trevor wingrove tournament which was again another massive success uh you know top to bottom teams come from all over the place including tino before we kind of move on here because this is a big deal to me the, the wingrove tournament for the first time ever, girls' divisions were had in the Wingrove tournament, and a little connection with yours truly, as uh, a few of the girls that my girlfriend's daughter's team from Semiamu joined up with the USA Boxla girls, Tino, and I kind of told you about how tough the season has been, being yeah. bumped up to A and a lot of tough losses. Well, these girls, about five of them from Semiamu, joined the USA Boxla girls, and they went over in the round robin. But then won the semifinal, boom, win the gold medal. Unbelievable. To finish off their lacrosse season. So I couldn't be happier for, for a lot of those girls that, uh, you know, that's not an easy thing to do too, right? Walk onto a new team where you don't know anybody, and, and but these girls just love playing lacrosse. And it was great to see the girls getting after it at the Wingrove tournament as well. Yeah, and there's nothing better than traveling to one of these tournaments and the ending up winning the gold medal. There's nothing like it. So, yeah, shout out to all the gold medal winners. Like I said before, I'm not trying to get anybody in any trouble. It was overall a huge success. Just had to talk about that. And, yeah, shout out to all the gold medal winners. Absolutely. Incredible. And shout out to everybody, all the volunteers and everybody that made that tournament go off. And and it was funny. I was sitting there with Danny. I, th I said we were going to get off this, but I'm going to say one more thing. I was sitting there watching <laughs> the Bantams and the Midgets play, and I was thinking back to my years with the Bantams and the Midgets and the tournaments and – thinking to myself like that was when it was kind of the the unabashed fun right you're with your buddies you're still playing tournaments and stuff like but you're older and it's like you know it, those were the years that i think maybe i had the most fun 
playing lacrosse. So it's just great to see the game back and flourishing throughout the summer around all the rinks. It, it really is. Uh, just, you know, with almost three years away, it's incredible to kind of see it come all the way back and, and people enjoying the game and the sport and playing and all the rest of it again. So um, that was a lot of fun. With that being said, Tino, the, the biggest game in the sport was going on Saturday night, Ball Arena, Denver, Colorado, where the Bandits had a chance to clinch the NLL title, and it looked like they were going to do it with about, you know, 29 minutes into that game. But I really think that that last second goal right before the half by Connor Robinson switched that game on its head and gave the Mammoth the belief, we can do this. Yeah, and, you know, we've talked before about the – Colorado being such a dominant second half team. And yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like Connor Robinson with the, almost a buzzer beater just kind of got the ball rolling in that direction for the second half. And then we saw again, like the third quarter, only three goals scored, but Colorado holds that Buffalo offense to one goal. And then from that point on in the fourth, like they get rolling, what's this, they get the last five goals of the game Yeah, at, at a certain point, like they have to be feeding off their crowd as well, but I don't know what it is about second halves. This Colorado team is so dangerous. And I would imagine now going into game three, that has to be something that's in the back of Buffalo's heads. Like uh, they're going to be feeding off of their adrenaline and their crowd at, at, you know, the beginning of game three coming up next Saturday. But after that, it's going to be a battle to see who can carry the momentum for the rest of the way, because you can never count Colorado out. Yeah. And the fact that they did it, you know, without Eli McLaughlin oh God. or Ryan Lee in their lineup is incredible. And I think that that's really the recipe to try and beat the Buffalo Bandits is you got to hold them under 10 and hope you can get to that number. And they were able to do that. 11-8 the final in this thing. Dylan Ward was just spectacular. And we kind of talked about it, right, Tino, that if Colorado was going to try and win, have to win this game, Dylan Ward was going to have to play one of the best games of his entire career. And that's exactly what he did. And can he do it again in Buffalo now and stifle that offense to an eight spot, which is just a monumental feat to try and hold Buffalo to eight? But we saw Toronto do it. That's how they were successful, right, uh, during the regular season. And and now we've seen Colorado do it. But can they do it again here? I'm, I'm eating a little crow. I was on Lacrosse Sports Network and, and a few other outlets uh, talking up Buffalo, how they were just going to be too much for the Mammoth. I didn't even know about McLaughlin. But when I heard that news, I was feeling pretty good about my predictions. But I'll eat it, man. I got to give Pat Coyle. And and the mammoth here a lot of credit for forcing a game three. This is this is what everybody wants to see. Yeah, and you know what? Like Zed Williams has been wow. just unbelievable this whole postseason after having like kind of an up and down regular season. But did you notice Zed Williams gets the first goal of the game in this one? Did yeah, you, did you yeah, I actually because as soon as did. it happened, I, I was like rolling my eyes. Notice that? Yes, I did notice that quite a bit. Um, and by the way, you know, we were talking in quarter one last week about how Dylan Ward and Matt Vince were going to rebound after a high-scoring game one. Mind you, you still took the over in that game, if I'm not mistaken, Tino. But this is more of what we expected, I think, coming into the series. That two of the best, if not the best, goaltenders in the league right now put on a show. 
I mean, 11 yeah. was was a good performance from Vino as well, but Dylan Ward, holy. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I was just watching just the first quarter alone, like right at the beginning of the game, I, I just had a feeling that Ward was, like, dialed in. You could you could just tell in his demeanor after after saves. And, I mean, you see it from Vince as well. Like, with only one goal scored in a quarter in total, like, both goalies were were feeling pretty good. I think... I think they almost went shot for shot. One, I think Ward had 12 saves and uh, Vino had 11. Yeah. But either way, like with Ward specifically, just watching his body language and his demeanor, he's so focused. And obviously he's going to be like, you're in the finals. You have to be to be able to have any kind of success. But just watching his lack of emotion, anytime he would make a save and quickly get it up to start the, start a fast break or whatever it may be, his game face, his lack of emotion, his calm demeanor, no matter what, if I'm playing defense and that guy's behind me, man, I'm ready to go through a, through a brick wall. That's unbelievable. It's confidence onto the defense too, right? That 100%, you know, they, if they make a mistake, he's going to be there for him. And just back to Zed Williams here. and, And one of the comments I made on LSN about Zed was that when he knows he has to be the guy, then he is ultra effective. I think it's when he's in that two or three hole behind Ryan Lee and, and whatever that he gets a little complacent and becomes a, a facilitator and a distributor. But when he knows he needs to be number one on that right-hand side, he takes on the load and he thrives on it. Like he was not only shooting the lights out, but he was making plays with the pass and the picks and loose balls. He was everywhere for Colorado and and again just like Dylan Ward he's going to need to do that he and Connor Robinson because the production offensively yeah they, they got a little chip in from from Gibson and Kinnear and even McIntyre so I don't know like at, by the end of that game you know Bryce Sweeney was just taking Zed and, and just pinning him along the boards in the fourth quarter just saying you're not going to beat us here but the Mammoth get five in the fourth and and just kind of go away in this one down the stretch. I don't think there was a goal scored in like the final seven, eight minutes of this game. Yeah, the last goal was scored at 841 of the fourth quarter. And you know what? Like until the fourth quarter, the only people that had been scoring for Colorado quite literally was Connor Robinson and Zed Williams. Yeah. So I don't disagree at all with that defensive strategy to, hey, if we can just pin one of them against the wall, 50 50 chance that they're probably not going to score. So that's probably going to be, well, that has to be Colorado's game plan going into game three now is okay. We got that balance scoring in the fourth. How do we get that earlier in the game? Because, you know, if you're going to rely on two guys to get all your goals through three quarters, it worked out for sure in game two, but they had to get a lot of defensive contributions and they had to have Ward standing on his head. I don't really think that that's going to be a key to success, having two guys score all your goals through three out of four quarters. No, and Max so Adler absolutely dominated the faceoff dot, 17 out of 23. What Buffalo, what we talked a lot about with Buffalo is their secondary scoring. We know Byrne and, and Dane are going to get theirs, right? But here's the difference in this one. 0 for, for Nanako. Kluche gets two, that's good, but nothing for Fields. Uh, nothing for Fraser. One from Buchanan. So they need like one or two more of those guys to get some goals, right? And and I think they're going to do that. Like I just don't see back-to-back nights where Nanakoke, Fields, Fraser, and, and Buchanan are that quiet. 
Yeah. And it, just if I could add one more point to this as well, before game one, I was watching a bunch of those interviews with, with players from both sides. I think it was Devin Caney that was doing the interviews and Josh Byrne was talking about how he, how he vividly remembers watching Dane Doby in 2019 lift that trophy in front of Calgary's home fans and how that image still lives in his head. I, as much as they would like to have closed this out in game two and just gotten it done with their opportunity now to create that image for another team that has to be so high on the priority list. And I would imagine if they're able to get this done, like this is going to be a lifelong memory and, and a guy like, like Josh Byrne and even Dane Smith, who has been their leader throughout this entire season and this entire postseason as well. They want to get this done in front of their home crowd in front of another sold out barn once again. So this is going to be an unreal game. Talked about it too, you know, about changing the narrative. What was it like four four eleven? the bandits in championship games. and, And that doesn't sit well with Johnny T. So he's, he's looking to, to put it over the top too. And Oh man, if Buffalo can get it done on their home floor, Oh my God, I worry for the city of Buffalo. My buddy, Bermel <laughs> Gertler, somebody that's got to keep an eye on that guy. So it, uh, it's going to be a sight to behold Saturday night from, from Bandit whichever way it goes down. We'll look forward to that. What I look forward to now, Tino, is your horse noises this week because it's time to head for the Stampede Tax Tables. (laughs) (laughs) Nay. Oh, oh, he's working a little hoof action there. I don't. Uh, I'm just trying. I have to do a little bit better than what Brad did. That's not, but I can't match you. So that's not uh, difficult to accomplish. Accomplish <laughs> that being better than Brad. <clears throat> Anyways, we've reached the Stampede Tack and Western Wear Stables for this week's Stampede Stallions of the Week. One more game to go in the NLL Finals, but it's a good time to remind you that Stampede Tack and Western Wear can ship coast to coast. Wherever you're cheering your team on from, you can check out Stampede Tack and Western Wear at stampede.ca for the largest boot selection in Canada. Or you can head out there to Cloverdale. Since 1966, they've been there, corner of Highway 10 and 180th. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Proud sponsors of Lacrosse Classified and the Stampede Stallions of the Week. Dino, we didn't discuss this prior, but tell me who your stallion of the week is. Yeah, you've already mentioned him in this episode, so I hope I didn't steal this from you because I've I have had this highlight I I've had this highlighted for a while. But Max Adler mm. lost six faceoffs all game. Okay, so he got he got himself seven loose balls as well. I know like the the loose balls for faceoff guys are a little bit tough to read because a lot of times they're winning draws themselves. But seven loose balls is a respectable number. But in a Game two in the finals to only lose six draws. And if I remember correctly, he was like a midseason pickup. That's yeah, unbelievable. He was. He was. Um, and it was an unbelievable performance. And I don't know if you've had a chance to go and listen to our buddy Adam Levy's podcast, Lacrosse Matrix. If you haven't done that, please do. And he had Max Adler on as a guest. I don't know if it was the last one or previous one to that. But I found it quite interesting comments coming from an American player with very little box lacrosse experience, now immersed into the Buffalo Bandits culture there in the National Lacrosse League, and had nothing but really glowing things to say about the NLL, and maybe not 
so good things to say about the PLL, and he said if it came down to it and he had to choose, he's going box lacrosse and bandits all day, every day. Unreal. And, you know, like, obviously I, I want lacrosse to succeed, like, worldwide, all around, whether it's field or box, but a little a little – a little piece of me is a, is a little happier to find to see a field guy that would well, not yeah, have like an American born no box. And all of a sudden he's in the NLL and he's like, this league is way better. <laughs> and, and you, you got to imagine as well that like burn and, and, uh, and Smith and Fraser and all those guys that yeah. play on chaos as well. have been in his ear for a while to try to get him to come over. So probably unreal. and really that's one thing that Buffalo, I mean, they Brownells serviceable, but they didn't have a pure, face-off guy and and man if Adler can learn how to play some solid defense look out for that guy man because he he can draw now uh so nice choice there I don't know how I don't give this thing to Zed Williams Tino just he has put the offense on his back here since Ryan Lee has gone down and like I said yeah the four goals and three assists are, are one thing but it, he's doing a whole lot more out on the floor than than just putting up points and put it this way the mammoth aren't going to game three without zedzilla doing what he has been doing the last couple of games here so zed williams max adler welcome to the stables fellas you are this week's stampede stallions of the week brought to you by stampede tack and western wear tino quarter one is done we're heading for quarter number two and we're going to talk to jordan gillis of the colorado mammoth we'll talk about zed as well with jordan why not quarter two ep 188 lax glass back after this associated labels and packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Coming down in three, two, one. Hey, it's John Abbott from TSN. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. As we're into the second quarter, you just heard from our good friends at Associated Labels and Packaging, Associated LP, where they focus on people, ethics, quality, and of course, family-owned, over 40 years of experience. In Coquitlam, labels, packages, they are the best in the business. You need a label or a package, AssociatedLP.com is where you go. actually saw the uh, proprietor of... ALP at the Trevor Wingrove tournament over the weekend. I might uh, actually use his uh, little cottage driveway up there in Tulamine this weekend. I put him on the spot. He's going to let me use, uh, I'm going to park an RV in his driveway this this summer, I think. Uh, this guy might have played in the Trevor Wingrove tournament when he was a youngster. As we welcome Jordan Gillis to the program, drafted back in 2015 in the sixth round, 52nd overall has spent his entire career with the Mammoth, who are now one win away from an NLL championship. Jordan, welcome to uh, Lax Class. Thanks for doing this, man. When you hear that, one win away from an NLL championship, what runs through your mind? That's exciting, hey? <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, but yeah, when you put it like that, how simple could it be? There's one more game and you're there, right? Um, but no, we're ready. It's exciting. Yeah, it's been a it's been a really kind of exciting year for the Mammoth as a whole. Bit of a roller coaster ride for you guys. We'll get into all that, but 
I want to take it back to, to young Jordan Gillis here, coming out of Richmond Minor Lacrosse. How did it? How did you find a stick? Because that's not necessarily a hotbed uh, of lacrosse here in BC. So how did you find a stick in your hand? What made you want to play lacrosse? It would have been my dad. He grew up playing. His brothers played. He had my brother playing at a young age, and I started when I was four years old. Four years old. So you come yeah. up through Richmond Minor and then graduate drafted to Coquitlam I was, junior? since we didn't have a junior team I got to choose where I wanted to go okay there was no draft and back then no draft so another player Sean Hanley I don't know if you remember him I don't we were a package deal wherever he went I was going and we both chose Coquitlam and that turned out to be a pretty good decision for you not, winning not a mid cup so. back in 2016 is that am I on the right path there sorry what was that 2016 Minto cup I, I never won it. You never I won it. Battled for two, but no, unfortunately, didn't get there. Oh, with man. Now I feel bad bringing that up. But still, <laughs> a really, I mean, that team, those teams over those years, really successful and just couldn't quite climb the mountain then, I guess. I mean, what was it? There was like 12 straight years of Minto Cups there for the Adnacks. Oh, I know. And, I mean, you look at the roster, it's just a stacked squad. Like, all the players are in the NLL. How does this team not win? But, I mean... Six Nations and the teams we were playing too, they they were stacked as well. Um, Just the battle. Just unfortunate we couldn't get there. No doubt. Well, let's move on from that. You got a chance to win a championship coming up this weekend. Um, So let's, maybe we'll work backwards here a little bit. Big win for you guys, obviously on on Saturday night, you get it done on your home floor. And Jordan, I, I think this has been so impressive here from Colorado to do this without Ryan Lee through the playoffs offensively. And then to find out your offensive stud on the other side of the floor, Eli McLaughlin, unable to go. But you guys grind out an 11-8 victory. And I think that's kind of the recipe to beat the Buffalo Band is try and hold those guys under 10. And you and the defense and, and Wardo were able to do the job. That's right. As, as hard as it's going to be to hold those guys under 10, that's that's how we're going to win these games, just like in the past years, uh, just re- kind of relying on Wardo and our defense, like we'd have to just squeeze out those games. That's how we we're going to have to win. Um, but yeah, I mean, home court definitely helped out. Um, traveling to Buffalo, seeing if we can do it again, it's going to be hard, but that's what it's got to do. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know what's going on with Eli, if he's coming back for game three or not, but you guys have clearly shown that you can get through adversity, and right. and and you've not only done that in the injury department, Jordan, but you've really done that kind of as the game ebbs and flows, like I think about the two Vancouver wins you guys had coming back from way back, and it just <laughs> seems like when you guys get in the second half, I don't know, you tell me, you've been around Pat a while now, this guy is pushing the right buttons with you guys and probably making some pretty good adjustments at halftime. What is it about halftime where you guys come out and just all of a sudden have this belief like we're coming back in this game and winning? Coming back. I, our mentality is we're, we're down five. I mean, we start games, we're fired up. I, 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 don't, I don't know what goes on in the second half, but clearly we're a second half team. If we could put the full 60 minutes together, I think we'd be unstoppable, but uh patty can fire us up brider does a great job too um and i don't know we're just a second half team whether it's relying on bordo and stopping the other team from their runs but we get hot and we'll ride with it yeah what i mean what what is it uh that that they have done you you've kind of been through a, a couple of coaches there on the back end and, and mcbride 
really seems to have a good grasp and has put in a good system for you guys to be success, successful. And I don't know if Pat oversteps and, and kind of comes in and, and puts his stamp on it as well, or whether he lets McBride just kind of run the show back there. Yeah, definitely, definitely a bit of both. Okay. From my first year, we've kind of had a system and through each year we kind of just are working on perfecting it. And so Pat, I've, well, I've been with Patty through all that. He's yeah. done a great job with it. And now Brider, Brider is able to just, I don't know, something's clicking and it gets us fired up and we're able to just stay in that system, play it as well as we can. And I don't know if just the two of them are working perfectly together. And, and the personnel has kind of changed a little bit too, hasn't it, Jordan? Like you guys add some beef and some youth back there as well. And you really seem to have a nice mix of big, little speed, little veteran presence, some young guys, some transition guys that, that can get it done up there. You just yeah. kind of put all the pieces together, almost like a puzzle, and everything's kind of working and clicking on that back end. That's that's exactly what it is. I think we, yeah, we tick off each box like big guy we got jeffrey we got and hopi yeah Lincer, yeah and then we got some speed up front jalen cupido like speaking then, of those two and, yeah. and you're you know you're no slow guy yourself but if you lined up lightning and, and jalen at the end line I, who's <laughs> touching the boards first I, I i listened to that one you'd ask joey about it uh it'd be tight joey's joey's quick like boom, but then I think if we had a little distance, I might have to give it to the young guy, uh, Jalen, with his legs. Okay, but with the ball and stick, I mean, Joe, Joey's Joey's lights out. <laughs> yeah, I, what? Tell me about this guy because, like, when he gets on a breakaway, and you've popped a few on 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 one on ones too, but like he almost seems like he's money in the bank when he gets a breakaway. It's going in the net. It's money in the bank, and it's funny. He's he's very confident and. We all know that about lightning, but he backs it up with it. So like there's there's no uh there's no denying he's he's good at what he does. So um, he believes it's going in before he even yeah. shoots the ball, sort of thing. And right? I mean now we believe he is it is too. So yeah. and he's proved it. Well, take me back to, to twenty fifteen here because yeah. sixth round pick, you know, you're almost the trivia question of last guy in the draft, all that sort of stuff. And there's not many sixth round picks that are lingering around the national lacrosse. There's a few like Dan Dawson comes to mind, another sixth round pick and uh, a few other guys that, that went later that have turned into real good players. But what was your mindset coming out of the draft, knowing you were a late round pick going into a camp for your first time that had to be a, a pretty daunting experience for you. Yeah, I think, well, first off, I had, I had nothing to lose at that point. So that kind of helped me in my situation, but just kind of watching the draft too. Like I see, I, I, I know all these players that are getting drafted ahead of me. I know how they play. I know I can guard like some of them. And I mean, I have, I have some confidence, right. But uh, just going in, um, I knew, I knew what I had to do. I was, I was very fortunate with how, I mean, coming to Colorado and how everything played out, but did you no, have a, a did really, you have a good camp? You must have I had, had a good camp. <laughs> that's, yeah, I guess that's what it came down to. I had a really great camp. I know I scored a couple goals in the scrimmages we had, and uh, I guess it was just hard to hard hard to get rid of me at that point. Yeah, that's that's the way you do it, man. You got to show up and, and make it happen. Tell me why you wear number twenty three. 
That's that's actually what they gave me my first. <laughs> so absolutely yeah. no pre- And you just no. stuck with it. Do you have yeah. a favorite? Like, is if you could switch, would you switch, or are you good with twenty three now? I think it's too late now. But yeah, I was I was like too nervous to speak up at that point. Um, I wore three growing up. My dad wore number two. I put it together. Oh, you get, and then his 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 name's Michael. Is I'm Jordan. You know. Oh, kinda, okay. It kind of just worked perfectly. Yeah, that, but, there you go. And you're yeah. actually you told me just before we kind of hit the record button here. You just moved to Denver. I didn't even realize you were down in San Diego, but uh, you've you've kind of supplanted yourself in the States and uh, bought yourself a place there in Denver. I've been to Denver a number of times, Jordan. It's probably my favorite American city on the NLL circuit. Right. And it's just such a beautiful place. The people are great. It's clean. It's friendly. Like Denver is a a fantastic spot to kind of make a life. Yes. I'm very fortunate to be well drafted here, but I mean, moving from San Diego, I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's tough what, to what got you down to San Diego? That's where your 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 lady's from, right? Yeah, she's so she's just uh, about an hour north of there in Irvine. But I mean, during COVID, I was finishing school online, and she could work from anywhere right now. So it was like, why not settle in San Diego for a little bit? And that's what we did. <laughs> uh, and what are you going to? What were you going to school for? What do you, What do you do away from the school? I was uh, I graduated in kinesiology. Okay. And do you have yeah. like a, a game? I know it's tough to, to get a job down in the States when you're a Canadian guy, but what, uh, what do you ultimately want to do with that degree? So right now our trainer, Joel Rayler, he owns a gym out here and I'm fortunate enough to kind of shadow him. He's training high level athletes, professionals and all these guys. So I'm able to uh, shadow him. And I mean, at the end of the day, if I have clients to bring in to his gym, I can work them out and make a little money on there. Okay, a little personal training action. Then. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and you're also doing some coaching down there. I know mm-hmm. there's a bunch of guys living in Denver this year, right? Like a whole there's, bunch. Are you coaching crazy. with all those guys? What What are you coaching? Who are you coaching? So I'm with the Denver Elite right now. That just started up a couple, uh, couple weeks ago, but that's the box program here. And then the college box lacrosse league yeah. uh, just started up yesterday. So I'm helping out here. Um, but yeah, if I can coach lacrosse, play lacrosse, train lacrosse players. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. That's uh, that's you're living the dream, man. You're that's, living uh, the dream. I complain. And yeah. we'll, we'll turn our attention back to the Buffalo bandits here momentarily. But part of the reason I wanted to get you on Jordan, because the new Westminster Sandbellies have become a sponsor here on lax class. And I think when it's all said and done here, with the Mammoth, you're going to be heading back to the Royal City. A little trade happening from the team in to New Westminster. Now, how is this going to work with you down in Denver? Are you going to be coming in and, and getting your games in so you qualify for playoffs? That's right. I will be getting my games in. Um, obviously, this NLL right now is the main focus. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, but I got to ask regardless here. Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing is, I mean, I've been in San Diego. Now I'm here. I got I to see my friends and family back home. Um I know coaching, it is a little flexible, so I'll be able to get my games in and make it, hopefully I'll be back in August, make a good run in the playoffs. Yeah, well, what's it going to be like, uh, Guy? I kind of had to go through the same thing, Jordan, you know, wearing an Adnac jersey for most of my right, life, and right, then all of a right. sudden pulling on that red thing. That's not a not going to be an easy thing, but a lot of good players there in New West, and, uh, of course, the storied history and all the rest of it. Uh, you got to be pretty excited to be yeah, on the home yeah. team when you're playing inside Queens Park exactly it's i don't think it's hit me yet i haven't i haven't met the guys that have been in the room i haven't put the jersey on yeah. but i know yeah it's a little it's definitely a little weird but 
uh, I'm, I'm happy to be there. Well, I know your dad will be excited to watch it. A little <laughs> shorter trip from Richmond, too, if he's still out Definitely. that way. Um, all right, Buffalo Bandits, one-game showdown here, Jordan, and for all the marbles, man, how do you... How do you prepare this week and keep yourself mentally sharp and physically ready and all that sort of stuff going in so you can have this you're a kinesiology guy now, so you should be able to kind of lay this out to me so you have peak <laughs> performance come Saturday night. I know I know everyone's different. Um, at the end of the day it's it's another game. you gotta you gotta go through your routines. you gotta put the work in during the week and I mean you gotta have the best game of your life on uh, on Saturday. What is your like pregame routine? So like, give me the the morning you wake up, shoot around, and then and then tell me what happens leading yeah. up to the game. Yeah, it's it's actually changed a lot during during the uh, during the years I've been with the Mammoth. But I mean, I'll wake up, I'll I'll get a coffee in me. Um, Starbucks guy, what are you? You know what I've I've Don't mixed care? and matched, but at like I'll I'll take the hotel coffee in okay. the room. I'm I'm not that picky. Okay, okay. Everybody's yep. different. Just just want to follow along here. All yeah, right, coffee. No. Then off to bre- little food, or do you wait until after to eat? Uh, I'll wait till after if there's something close. I like to eat something, but no, I'll go right to shoot around, and then that's when food. I'll I actually like to pick and choose who I'm eating with. <laughs> it's, okay, it's like it's just a little superstitious, but yeah, that comes. So who are play. the tell me who are the who are the guys that you I, like to sit down and, and I, have I like a meal to be with? with Scott Carnegie. Uh, Tim Edwards, Josh Sullivan. It's kind of like almost the Alberta crew, but that's kind of what it's turned into. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, I mean, every, every guy naps and then it's game time. Naps and they, so you're a napper, you're a nap guy. I'm a napper. All right. Uh, And then what about after the game there in Denver? What, uh, where's the hot spot to go for the mammoth? I guess down to the, to the lodge after the game is the starter. And then, you know, you know, there, yeah. What is it still (laughs) called the lodge down there? I can't remember. I know it's changed a lot. It's, I think right now it's Breckenridge. Okay. Yeah, so we'll that's a good it. setup there in Denver. Hey, like you know, like it's what, like fifty feet from your dressing room. It's on the bottom deck there, and you just turn the corner <laughs> and you're in there. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, tell me about the Bandits here, man, because they got a lot of weapons on that offensive end, Jordan. And, a lot and of weapons. Yeah, it's... I don't know. Like, do you have? Have you been kind of assigned a, a matchup? Like I saw. Uh, Sweeting was was kind of trying to take Zed out of the game there late, kind of just pinning him against the wall. I don't think the Mammoth are going that far as far as strategy goes, but do you have a, a personal assignment that Pat or Andrew's given you to, to kind of keep in check? Well, I'm on the lefties kind of no matter what. And then, man, if I can shut down Josh Byrne, like, I mean, as hard as it is, um, I think that's mainly my check. But we uh, – Maybe we would just play high low. I'm usually the low guy, so yeah. whoever lines up there, that's 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 my check. But no, we don't really have uh, uh, matchups like Sweeting on Zeddy. What what makes Josh Byrne such a tough matchup? He's shifty, man. He can he can go low, he can go high, and then he's got that. He can go up that, too. He can go up exactly. When <laughs> he gets to that crease, like I don't know how any goalie stops that ball. But then he's got that good outside shot. I've been playing against him all my life. Yeah. And it's it's crazy how how good he's become. 
He is an absolute superstar. Jordan, you are as well, man. I won't keep you any more time here. I really appreciate you hopping on here before the big game, and I wish you and the Mammoth the best of luck going into Saturday. Go get them there in Bandit Land. And uh, everybody's going to be watching, man, including me. I can't wait to see it. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. Thanks for coming on. There's Jordan Gillis of the Colorado Mammoth. We'll take a quick break here on Lax Class and be back with quarter number three. Dave Buchanan, sideline reporter for the Bandits, is next here on Lax Class. Hey, this is Dean Farrell from the Panthers City Lacrosse Club. You're listening to Lax Class. Second half action is now underway here on EP 188 as we welcome you into the third quarter. That is brought to you by Rycor Construction. So uh, the first half of Rycor, I was, actually didn't know where like the Rycor thing name came from. And Rye is short for Ryan and Core is short for Karina, which is Ryan's wife. And that's how they came up with Rycor Construction. So there you go. They make it stand out. Follow them along at uh, Rycor Construction. Inc. Facebook, Instagram, you can see their work. They're always posting up new content. Or you can visit the website. They have all their contact info there as well. www.rycorconstruction.ca Young Josh Mills there, of uh, son of Rycor Construction, playing for the Junior A Saints, uh, popped one in against the Islanders on the weekend as well. So that was good to see. Rycor Construction, they make it stand out. This interview is brought to you by them as we welcome first-timer here to Lax Class, the sideline reporter for the Buffalo Bandits and Dave Buchanan. Dave, welcome to Lacrosse Classified. Thanks for doing this, man. Jumbo, Tino, this is a huge honor for me. I've, I've become a fan of the program over the course of this season and this is a, a treat to be on with you guys today thank you so much for having me oh it's our pleasure man and uh the honor is all ours here how long have you been doing the sideline reporting for the bandits for the bandits i've uh the sideline reporter gig we started that in the 2018 season but i've been like the third i was the third string broadcaster for the bands filling in for randy Mearns going back to 2013 was my first game okay so uh, i so, and then they added the sideline reporter position back in 2018. So this is like my fourth, fourth season in that role. And I've been around the team working part-time for about nine years now. And I've, I've been covering the team going back to 2007, 2008. Oh, well, that's, I mean, I think you do a fantastic job, Dave. And we're going to talk about that, but maybe we'll take it back even further then. Take it back there. Like, How did you come into contact with the Bandits or the National Lacrosse League or even the sport of lacrosse? What attracted you or got you into it? So it goes, there's two prongs to that. There's the broadcasting aspect, and then there's just the Buffalo Bandits in general. Uh, I've been in broadcasting uh, going back to uh, when I was 16 years old, uh, I am also a huge fan of motorsports and stock car racing. And uh, I grew up at Lancaster Speedway, which is a half mile short track here in Western New York. And I became the junior announcer when I was 16 years old. And uh, a couple of years of doing that, they actually started paying me to do it. So I've been uh, announcing stock car racing for over 20 years now here in Western New York and even That's Southern Ontario. Awesome. There's a sport I've never done. What's that like, man, before we get into the lacrosse stuff? I, I don't mind watching guys turn left round and round here. Uh, Lil Rubin is racing. That's got to be a lot of fun, the stock car announcing. I want to try that. It, it's a fun gig, especially when you grew up doing it with your Hot Wheels cars when you were a kid. You, 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 uh, you learn to quickly find how much you love it. And, uh, yeah, I've been announcing stock car racing for 20 years here locally. 
Uh, and it, I have so much fun with it. And uh, being a part of that has been one of the greatest thrills of my life and doing some big events here in Northeast racing, working with the race of champions and super dirt week and uh, getting to go to tracks all, all, all over our, our region has been so awesome. So, and I even worked up at a Ransomville speedway on Friday nights, which is a dirt track in Niagara County uh, near Lewiston, New York, and not far from uh, the Tuscarora nation where the Kilgore boys are from. So, uh, yeah, racing was my first love, and that's what got me into broadcasting. So fast forward, uh, I go to college, uh, Madai College, which uh, do you know which what other NLL broadcaster was produced by Madai College here in Buffalo? Oh, uh, I I want to say it's Greg War. Yes, it is. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes. So, so Division Three Madai College has produced two uh, NLL broadcasters. Patty actually played lacrosse there. I just went to school there. Uh, so, and after college, I started working at WGR Sports Radio 550, which is now the, the home of the Bills and the Sabres, of course, and the Bandits uh, for some of our broadcasts. And I started working there as a producer, you know, button pusher, talk show producer. And I had already been a, a fan of the Bandits. Uh, I got into being a fan of, of Buffalo Bandits lacrosse uh, coming out of high school and into college, you know, early 2000s. I'd known about the Bandits and remember their early championships with John Tavares and Jim Beltman, but never got to go to a lot of games and, but knew of the franchise and knew of the sport. But once I started going to games, man, I was hooked. And that was right around the time Mark Stainhouse showed up and Darius Kilgore got behind the bench. And that was like the second phase of Bandits lacrosse. Like, you know, the first 10 years was JT and those early championships and Jim Beltman and Kevin Alexander and all those great early teams. But when Mark Stainhouse showed up, that was like another great run with Darius behind the bench. And you had guys coming in like Delby Paulus and Corey Bomberry and, you know, Sean Williams, Mike McCursey were here. Uh, so I got in heavy. I was a season ticket holder. And being at WGR allowed me to start getting some press passes and go into the game, sitting in the press box, covering the game, uh, doing the post-game interviews, getting to know some of the coaches and players, and getting to know John Gertler the play-by-play man for the Buffalo Bandits, who I grew up watching uh, as he was the voice of the, well, not, he will never say that, Ted Darling's the voice of the Buffalo Sabres, but uh, John Gertler came after Ted Darling as the play-by-play man for the Buffalo Sabres, I'll say. Uh, So I was a huge Gertler fan because when he called the Sabres, like 92, 93, those LaFontaine Mogilny years, that's like my favorite sports team of all time. So I, I thought it was cool getting to know Gertler and he'd have me on the halftime and I even recorded some pregame shows for him. Uh, and then have you heard? Have you heard my Gertler impersonation yet, Dave? I don't I've know. not heard your Gertler impersonation. Say Cosmo. <laughs> that's not a stray dog. That's a great. Dame. That's not a stray dog. That's a great Dame. Not bad. Not bad. I'm, it's a work in progress. I've been. It's I've pretty been, good. Uh, say, straight up down the middle in the left wing of the webbing. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. That, that, you got it good there right at the end, actually. That's yeah, pretty good. Thank you. Carry on. Uh, so uh, so 2013, he's like, hey, uh, we're going to Rochester. and, and Mernsey can't do the No, game. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's like, Mernsey can't do the game. Randy Mearns, of course, another bandit, you know, lacrosse legend in general. Uh, and he's like, do you want to do color? I'm like, are you kidding me? I've never broadcasted another sport besides auto racing. And I, I'm like, sure, I'll give it a try. And. Uh, I just I just be kind of became the the backup to Mernsey for home games and, and even going to Rochester, Toronto, and then like I said in 2018, the the between the benches position opened up and they put me in there and 
Uh, and then uh, we brought uh, Steve Bermelin, of course. Steve's become now our, our number two for color analysts. And Steve does a great job. So uh, just one of those cases of being in the right spot at the right time and also just having a good, solid background. So I've gone from being a, a one-sport broadcaster to two sports. Unreal, man. So being someone that's that's been around the Bandits for as long as you have been, um, have you, I guess, first of all, like how much have you been enjoying this season as a whole and the postseason and everything, but also like people in the media generally try to stay pretty even keel. Have you, have you been able to stay kind of neutral or have you been finding yourself like getting so wrapped up in the emotion of it? Uh, yeah, it's hard as someone who was a, a fan in the season ticket holder. Yes. It, it comes, it, it is hard to be neutral. We, we do. Um, once the, 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 the light is on, the cameras are on, you know, we, we, tr- I, I treat it as, as best I can and be neutral. And, um, obviously, um, I'm inside, I'm hoping for a band to win every time we take the floor or they take the floor, I should say, I'm not, I'm not a player, <laughs> but, um, this season has, has been phenomenal. I knew this was going to be a good team the night of the draft. And, uh, I was sitting at Holland Speedway, which is another short track here, just South of Buffalo. Uh, I'm supposed to be announcing a race, but the draft is going on. So I've got the laptop up watching the draft. And uh, I knew they needed to get two things out of the draft, or I knew they're going to do either one or two things in the first round of the draft. They're either going to take Tohoka with the third pick or they needed a lefty. Uh, and so, you know, they came up and no surprise, they drafted Tohoka with that third pick. And I'm like, man, they still really need a, another lefty forward. And then the trade for Connor Fields happened. And I'm just like, I just sat back in my chair and I couldn't believe it because I'm like, this is it. The, the chugger has done it again. He, Steve Dietrich, he pulled off, uh, not only got the, the trade to, to get himself the third pick, the Matt Gilray deal that allowed them to get the number three pick and then to get the trade to land Connor Fields. I'm like, wow, what, what a right there. I just knew this team was going to be something special um, with those two acquisitions on draft night on top of having, you know, Dane and Josh and Chris Cloutier and they had already signed Kyle Buchanan by then. So uh, I've known since the draft, this is going to be a really good team this year. Totally. So last week, Jake was talking with uh, John Tavares on, on last week's episode. And obviously Nick Weiss was the topic of conversation because of his big overtime winner uh, mm-hmm. in game one. But it got brought up as well that a, a lot of, or at least some of the defensive players on the bandits can get kind of lost in just because of all the offensive numbers that a lot of these guys are putting up. So they don't necessarily get as much recognition as, as they should. I'm wondering if you have a couple guys or even just one guy on the defensive end that you think should be getting a little more recognition or isn't as well known as some of these other guys. I'll tell you what, we saw how big of a cog Bryce Sweeting is when we got, when the bandits returned to the lineup or when he returned to the lineup here for game two, yes, the bandits didn't win, but, but Bryce Sweeting, you know, right in there covering Zed Williams. Uh, I think it showed uh, how much they missed him not having his ability to block shots and just be physical in general. Uh, He's a great team guy. Um, he, he can get real cranky at times, but that, that's just part of, of Bryce Sweeting. So I think there's someone that doesn't get enough credit. Justin Martin doesn't get enough credit. Uh, I thought Justin Robinson, who they got from Saskatchewan for this year until he got hurt, was having a pretty good year and fit in quite nicely, having to fill big shoes with the departure of Mitch Desnu. So there's a lot of guys that don't get enough credit, and I'm so happy for Nick Weeks. Weeser, I, I mean, the game two of the Toronto series, the game winner in, in, in game one of the finals, uh, you know, he's been around this team for, uh, for 10 years now. And I'm just glad he's getting some credit as well, too. But 
my one name, sorry to go long on, on the response. I guess Bryce Sweeting would be my answer. Yeah, no shortage of words here on, on Dave Buchanan as we talk with the sideline reporter of the Buffalo Bandits. Now, take me inside of this a bit, Dave, because, you know, when I got brought into Saskatchewan, originally that was going to be my position. I made it all of one game down there between the benches, and I was like, this is not for me. I'm not good at this. I do not feel comfortable here. Get me out of here. Get me back up in the booth where I think I belong. <laughs> but you really you really thrive in this position, and I think you're very poignant with your questions. I think they're timely and, and concise, and the delivery and all of it I think is really good, Dave, and, and it's a bit of a different animal when you're down there in the thick of it and, and the games are going on. So maybe I'll ask you this, like walk me through kind of a, a game of yours where you have to – kind of hop on a bench and grab a coach, but do it at the right time and then get your questions in quickly and then get back out again. I think my experience with that comes from doing the auto racing stuff because after every feature, I got to go down on the racetrack and interview the the winner of the race and maybe the second or third place finisher. So I'm, I'm used to grabbing guys almost in the heat of the moment, right after they get out of a race car and ask me, you know, what, you know, how did you win the race or, you know, what, you know, how was the car as the race went on and stuff. So I'm used to asking those questions in the heat of a moment. I think that has me so well prepared questions wise for asking people. Uh, I admit I, I lack some of the X's and O's analysis when it comes to this game. I'm still, that's something I still need to continue to, to work on. And I think uh, obviously, well, obviously Randy Mearns does a phenomenal job, but even Steve, Steve Bermel, they, they both analyze the game a lot better than I do, but the questions wise, in uh comes from working in motorsports but down on the floor too you pick up a lot of things you don't pick up from watching up at a well i was gonna ask you that next dave is that you (laughs) you get a very unique perspective of the game and you get to hear Mm -hmm. and see things that nobody else does unless you're a player or a coach or training staff down on that bench so i kind of wanted to ask you what is maybe a, a thing or two of the craziest or funniest things you've ever seen or heard down there the chirping is phenomenal, especially when it's like a Bandits Toronto Rock game. Uh, just listen to the chirping, you know, among some of the disturb- disturbers on each on each roster, whether it's a Bryce Sweeting or a Nick Weiss or a Steve Friolo, or you got a guy like Billy Hostrouser in Toronto, and just listen to them go back and forth. Um, some weirder moments. Um, one time, uh, David Deruccio, the backup goaltender, a couple seasons ago for the Bandits, they put him in, yeah, the big and fish. during the one. During the last TV timeout, he just comes over to the bench right by where I'm standing and just barfs like right in front of me, <laughs> throws up like all this Gatorade. I'm like, are you kidding me? Thank God it was the last media timeout. So I need to stand there for about three more minutes because I was out of there as soon as the, the, the buzzer rang. I was like, this is luckily it didn't get on me, yeah. but I had to stand next to it for a few minutes. That was bad enough. So you didn't get Teddy Cordley on that right away to be like, Teddy, come on, man. Uh, uh, no, actually, that'd probably be more a McLovin job. Okay. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, for yeah. the Riptide, rip I should have got McLovin to clean. No, I love, I love Nick. I'm so glad he got that gig with the Riptide. But uh, yeah, I felt bad for our audio guys who had to pick up the cables at the end of the night. <laughs> uh, one other story. Um, I'm standing there one night, and uh, one a friend of mine. She's an usher, and she works. She used to work the top of the 100 level at the Key Bank Center, right behind me. And she texts me and she's like, you better be careful. And I'm thinking why? And I look and the goal, the backup goaltender for the opposing team. Uh, I want to say it was J- Dougie Jameson, but I, I, I could be wrong. He had been leaning on the partition in the bench so much that it was starting to lean over and it, it almost had hit me in the head. So I'm like, dude, 
back off a second. We had to like push yeah. it back up before before the glass hit me in the head. But uh, luckily, I had a, an angel behind me work, working as an officer in Section 106. There you go. <laughs> so I made it known last week, or I made it publicly known that I'm a big fan of Chase Fraser. Uh, just keeping mm. with the in between the bench stuff, like w- we all see how he is on he's the a bit floor. Of a talker, what, yeah. He's what's a bit yeah, of what's he like on the bench? Uh, he's you know when when the offense is going, uh, especially this year, these guys they uh, they like to whoop it up on the bench, and uh, it's just a lot of a lot of just jumping around and handshakes and stuff when when those those guys are going. I think Chase says it more for the penalty box, really. You know, you've seen the videos of him. He'll get in a scrum and then he'll be in the the penalty box getting the fans moved up. So I, he saves it for out on the floor or if he goes in the box. But uh, on the bench, he's not maybe one of the loudest talkers. But he he knows he knows the right time to get fired up. Couple more minutes here with Dave Buchanan, and you've been to a lot of Bandits games inside uh, HSBC, Key Bank, the Odd. Even I would think back in the day. Uh, Actually, no, I've never. Is one of never the odd? Okay. That was, I never got to go to the odd. Point being, Bandit Land goes nuts for Bandits Lacrosse, and you've been front and center for that. But I, I think you, well, I, I know because you had a little tweet from from Denver, Colorado. The Bandits brought you out for game two. I know uh, Western Scout Rob Bucken made the trip as well. The Bandits organization kind of brought everybody to Denver in hopes of, of claiming that game two title. But compare the two two buildings and two fan bases and franchises here on, on what the atmosphere was like in Denver compared to Buffalo. Hey, the loud house lived up to its nickname there for game two. Um, you know, it was, they had a good, good building that they had roped off their, their 300 level, their upper bowl, but they still had a good full lower bowl, uh, you know, on a hot Saturday night in Denver. Uh, I thought their game presentation does a real good job getting the fans worked up. Um, I got, sick of hearing the peanut butter jelly song and baby shark every time the bandits had the ball but that, that's, home that, field, eh? that's home field advantage i guess baby shark uh, needs to be retired period <laughs> yeah and i yeah and i because every time the peanut butter and jelly song came out i think the, the mammoth squared so i don't want to hear that again for a while but uh no the loud house lived up the billing it's a phenomenal facility um, so it was super cool to be there and yeah, uh, hats off to our director of lacrosse operations, Scott Loeffler and his assistant, Dan Ristine for making that happen. Even though we didn't bring the trophy home from Denver, uh, to put all the players and all the staff, I think there was 56 of us in total that, that made the trip to Denver. Wow. My first road trip outside of driving to Toronto or Rochester. And it was just cool to be around the team like that and experience a, a road trip, which is something I'd never done before. So. Uh, thanks to them for making it happen and getting us all out there, especially the the whole broadcast crew. So again, like we mentioned before, how you've been around the team for as long as you have um, and seeing how crazy this fan base is. And like you were just mentioning the fan base in Colorado as well. I'm wondering from your perspective, what the rest of the teams in the NLL can learn from what Buffalo and Colorado, for example, and Calgary in some cases have been able to do with growing their fan base because there's a lot of teams in the NLL that are, you know, maybe still in their infancy stages of trying to build as passionate a fan base as Buffalo or some of these other teams, and they just haven't been able to do it yet. So I'm wondering from your perspective, if there's something that some of these other teams can take away from a Buffalo, for example. Yeah, I think it starts, I think with game presentation, that's what I hear from people that say they've gone to their first bandits game, or they've only gone to a couple bandits games. Uh, is, is talk about the atmosphere and describe it compared to going to a hockey game or a basketball game and just how they do it. I mean, 
Chris Swenson, Swenny, our PA announcer. I, I mean, I know teams try to emulate him all the time, and you know they, he's even tried to help other PA announcers in the league. But just work on that game experience, uh, and, and you know once you've got him in the door. But also you got to make the game accessible, and that's another thing about Bandits Lacrosse, especially when I was getting into it uh, 20 years ago, was the affordability of the sport. I know you know times have changed, price has gone up, inflation, blah blah blah. But what made Bandits lacrosse so popular, I think 15, 20 years ago, was it was affordable, and that's what got people to come in on top of it. And then once they got there, they had a blast because they were chanting BOX and they were chanting, you know, whose house, stain house, and they were having a good time. So I think it's two pronged make it entertaining, but make it accessible and affordable so the fans can come. I know big cities, it might be hard, the San Diego's, the New York's, but, and I know these teams got to make a profit, but just got to find a way to get more people in the door and make it affordable for them. Bang on with that, Dave. Bang on. Yeah, totally. And just last one for me as well. So I'm, I'm somebody that graduated from broadcasting school almost a year ago. I'm I'm pushing the year mark now. Um, And I've been so lucky to have guys like Jake and like Brad that have been helping me along the way, getting into the industry and stuff. I'm wondering if you have any words of wisdom for any like young aspiring broadcasters that may be listening as to, as to uh, how they can help themselves. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, outside of telling you to look for another profession, I'm no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, you're, you're actually not, Dave, because that's one of the first pieces of advice that I got when I was young and expiring is just pick a different profession. Yeah, I'm not gonna say who said uh, it, but somebody did say that to me. You're you're off to a great start. Like I like I jokingly tweeted when you first got on the show. I said, <laughs> "Tino forever, shallin or never." It, like the old Ringo Starr, Pete Best argument when, when Ringo joined the Beatles. But just keep doing what you're doing. Get uh, yeah, Just get involved. The, the connections you make are going to go farther than any class you're going to take. How I got to GR and stuff and the connections I made in the industry, that came through my internships. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just get involved. Uh, do what you can. Obviously, you need to get paid at some point, but you may need to take a few freebies and internships to start off. But uh, just but once you're in, you're in because people will go to bat for you. Uh, and, and one of the best people doing that is, is John Gertler. He'll go to bat for anybody. Uh, I mean, even our our, uh, our our PR our PR person this year. I mean, he was trying to put in a good for word for her for a job she was going after. Um, you know, the, these guys will will help you out if you ask for it. So uh, I've never had met a, a bad person in this industry that was not interested in wanting to help me out or answer a question. So uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Take it, take as, get as much experience as you can. And eventually that experience combined with those connections will pay off. Hey Dave, uh, first and foremost, I I just want to say thanks for not giving Tino any good question dings, because I I, I felt like he asked some really, you know, pretty, I'm not going to say the word, but good uh well i just now i'm not gonna say it. but you know what i'm saying i i, I thought that there was a couple in there that might have been worthy but uh, i appreciate you not doing that and this may be a predictable answer here for for our last question but give me uh give me your prediction give me your score for game number three. Oh my goodness this this series uh well, well first of all i'm i i I was done with the one goal game hanging out a last minute shot that either hit a post or (laughs) time ran out. I was looking forward to that for game two of the finals, but I didn't want it to be bandits down by three with five minutes to go. 
So I'm okay with another one goal game. And I think that's what we'll get at Key Bank Center on Saturday night. Uh, I think home field advantage, just like in Colorado last week with peanut butter jelly time and, and baby shark. I think bandit land's going to to provide the edge for the bandits. And I, I think Buffalo's going to do it. Um, John Tavares and Steve Perillo talked a lot about holding the mammoth to 10 or less in their post game comments uh, on Saturday night in Colorado. So I think it's, I think it's going to be 11-10 Buffalo. There you go. Uh, you heard it here first on Lax Class. Dave, uh, this was a great chat. Appreciate you making a little time for us here on Lax Class. Enjoy the festivities on Saturday night. Should mention, start time has just been uh, updated here for game number three. It's moved from 7.30 to an 8 o'clock start. And they're showing that sucker on ESPNU and I believe TSN as well. Enjoy the game, Dave, and thanks for doing this. Jumbo Tino, thank you so much. You guys have become part of my uh, Tuesday night routine. Uh, I, I work from home Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but go to the office Tuesday, Thursday. So my Tuesday commute home is listening to Lax Class, while my Thursday commute home is usually listening to the Off the Crossbar Boys. So uh, there you go. I really enjoy the, I really enjoy the show, and th- this was a real treat for me. Thank you. Uh, us as well. There you go. Sideline reporter for the Buffalo Bandits, Dave Buchanan. A uh, little stock car racing in there as well. I'm going to have to check out some of those broadcasts, I think, as well, Tino. And uh, like I said, the, that sideline gig is not an easy job to do. But Dave is one of those people that makes it look easy. And that's when you know he's good at his job. Yeah, I think I said the first episode that I was on, you and Brad asked me, uh, like, like what I haven't done yet or whatever. And that was my answer to the sideline or the in between the benches. I'm so curious to try it out just for the sake of being able to hear the chirping back and forth and just experience that. So hopefully yeah. one day, but yeah, Dave is, Dave is, uh, He's the man. yeah, unreal. All right. Uh, great talk there with Dave. We're off to the fourth quarter here. Evan is back. Uh, Lax class locks. It's all coming up on EP 188 of Lax class. We're back after this. Double overtime, game seven. Mitch Jones into the middle, got rim, got a shot, scores! Mitch Jones puts the bellies into the finals. Stolen by Mike Messenger, twisting, turning, scoring! They can taste it! Listen to this place again! You know, the Canadian Army could use a tank like Mike Messenger. Time now for the Kings of Queen's Park, brought to you by the new Westminster Salmon Bellies. Dave the Magnificent, Dandy Dave, Dave the Dude, call him what you want, Dave Durani was a winner. A Minto Cup, five manners, a World Field Lacrosse Championship, and a Pro Championship with the Quebec Caribous, Durani dominated the lacrosse world throughout the 70s and 80s, just like his signature stash and tailored silk suits. This athlete was a high school quarterback, a pro scouted shortstop, and a college hockey and soccer star. A good shot at going pro in any sport he chose, it was the creator's game that meant the most to him. The WLA overage draft was introduced in 1973 and Coquitlam, with the first pick, selected the dude. He was rookie of the year in 73 and led the league in scoring in 74. Traded to the Bellies prior to the 1980 season, he remained there for the next 12 years. Historian Cleve Deanshaw called him the catalyst of those Bellies teams, the engine that made the machine run. Nine-man cup appearances over 19 seasons, he racked up over 1,700 points in the WLA. Durani was elected to the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame in 1997. The new crop of Salmon Bellies are back at Queen's Park Arena Thursday night to take on the Victoria Shamrocks, a rivalry old as dirt. Tickets and info at salmonbellies.com. All right, welcome back to Lax Class as we're into the fourth and final quarter. 
which is brought to you by the new Westminster Sam Bellies. You just heard it right there. Bradley Challoner showcasing the man they called the dude, Dave Durante. What a player this guy was. 351 playoff points, a league record. Man Cup, five times, I believe, he won this thing. Mike Kelly Award in 76. All-Star team, eight times. Nine Man Cup appearances, 1,500 points. Like, I just... The dude was the man, and uh, when you saw him around, like, he, again, when I think of Salmon Bellies, he was always one of the guys that stood out to me when, when I went to watch Adnax play the Bellies on a Saturday night in Coquitlam. The high socks, the short shorts, the big mustache, the no face mask, Dave Durrani, an absolute legend who is this week's Kings of Queens Park. You guys remember the dude or ever watched the dude play lacrosse? Negative. But no. I love the I love the nickname the dude. That's gotta be yeah. <laughs> top five. You guys gotta get get up on your history a little bit and check some this is why we're doing this, because of people like you that may not know these legends of yesteryear. And uh yeah, more games up on YouTube is what we need. Some of the old games, oh, right? That so would be watch something. this stuff. That'd be something. Uh you can watch the Sambillies of this year. Back in action Thursday night, Queens Park Arena. They're taking on the Victorious Shamrocks. Always a fun time when the Shamrocks come to Queens Park. Seven o'clock face off. Get your tickets at sambellies.com. And uh, stay tuned for Kings of Queens Park all summer. And don't forget about that smoker coming up on the 24th as well. Evan, uh, welcome back, man. What? Uh, how was your weekend? Did you check out any SWAT lacrosse this weekend? No, they're they're done. They're, they don't have any home games the rest of the year. What? Played, yeah, th- it was a crazy schedule. They played their first eight games at home, and their next seven or eight on, on the road. What's yeah, up with that, that? I don't know. So they played three in Edmonton, and St. Albert beat them three straight, none of them even close. So, but no, I was at uh, Sask, La- uh, Sask Lacrosse Festival, which of course for U12, which is Vasily's age group, was the provincial championships. And unfortunately the guys lost the wrong game at the wrong time and came back with bronze. So uh, at least he won his last game of the year, right? Uh, oh, so they still have a game tonight. It's okay. league game tonight. Well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, what else? Did you, did you check out any PLL action? I kind of got I a little taste of it. Uh, what stood out for you this weekend from Charlotte? Well, after I got called out about my, uh, pick with chrome minus one and a half I'm like okay i gotta pay a bit of attention to this game and well that wasn't even close and to be frankly yeah, honest was that? Red... that was stealth dragon that was calling you out about the one yeah he was yeah and uh bad it was take. Uh... bad take there yeah like i mean let's put it this way redwoods turn the ball over about as often as i would expect my uh, u12s to turn the ball over like they were every second pass was almost a miss it was absolutely shocking to watch Pro lacrosse being played that badly. What was it? Three goals is the lowest any PLL team has scored in the history of the league. Wow. So, wow. Tino, did you watch any PLL this weekend? No, I was in, I was in Barnes out here, but I'm wondering with, cause I was keeping up with the Redwoods. I'm wondering if we're sort of seeing the effects of Kyle Harrison not being there anymore. Like, I wonder if his him being like a leadership presence. I know he wasn't necessarily putting up crazy points for them in his uh, last couple of years. Aren't but. they pretty banged up injury wise, Evan? Yeah, I mean, Pinnell's out, Sergio, well, sorry, Pinnell's playing, but he's playing at like 70%, he said. Uh, Sergio's out, and they kept blaming that. It's like, well, 
it wouldn't matter if you're dropping this many passes. It doesn't matter who's playing. You're not going to win the game. All right. Well, we'll continue to kind of spotlight PLL here. But then, the you know, unfortunately, weeks. Lyle Thompson is yeah. going to be gone for a while now. Well, do we know what's going uh, on with him? Just a lower body, okay. body injury is all they're saying. Um, but, yeah, though, the uh, the final game of the weekend was a barn burn. went to overtime. Uh, two goals in the last minute. goes to overtime. Then even a goal disallowed after it was counted because of a crease violation. And yeah, it was at the, the final game of the week was actually water dogs lost. Unfortunately, they probably would have won had Dylan Moore been available, but get Reed I mean, back right. on that team and you'll start winning some games. I was watching the Atlas game. That was kind of the one I had a chance to watch. And I'll tell you what, having Chris gray and Jeff Teat, Paired up yeah. together. Let's Chris Gray, the all-time NC2A scoring leader now, if I'm not mistaken, right? And now mm-hmm. playing with the best offensive player on the planet. This is a scary combination. I think the Atlas are going to do it this year. I might, I might uh, go out on a limb there. There are the odds on favorite at the moment. Yeah, Chris Gray, Jeff Teat. I mean, oh. anyway, out on a limb on the first place team there, John. Well. <laughs> They're two young players, Tino. Just watch yourself over there. Uh, yeah, is Jeff Teeth good? I never heard of him. Yeah, no, he is. <laughs> He's really good. <laughs> but seriously, though, I mean, uh, still, I mean, where this team was uh, like dead last, like two years ago when '99 was running around with them, weren't, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They played couple there players. two years ago. Yeah, couple players. Well, I mean, big he, difference. He, here's a hot take for you. Next year, I will predict Jeff Teeth will win MVP in both leagues. Okay. He'll pull a junior. Uh, I I could see it. Uh, t- speaking of that, Tino and and uh, you know top teams, uh, who's winning the senior C championship this year? If you're betting on anybody other than the, than the birds, you're you're dumb. How you're many, a big dumb idiot. How, <laughs> how many teams are in that league? I don't even know. Oh, I I could look it up quickly, but if I you don't know how many like teams eight. are in your own league. No, I know. I know. It's like eight. I don't know. Maybe there's. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't figure it, it out it, quick. It's kind of like betting on anybody but Ladner to win senior B. Wow. <laughs> no, there actually are a couple. It, it is, North Shore it is, is going to be legit, too. Don't count out uh, the boys out there on North Shore and that senior yeah. B title as well. All right. Uh, you look that up, Tino. And in the meantime, let's do some wax glass locks. It's locked. Glass Locks, brought to you by Cool Bet Canada, CoolBet.com, where you can stay cool and bet responsibly. And before you do, if you're new to Cool Bet or maybe new to the podcast, first off, just want to say a, a really a heartfelt thank you to all the new listeners. The, the numbers like literally go up every single week. I don't know if you saw Tino, but uh, one of our, our loyal followers in Coach Shrek. He likes to do his like podcast rankings every couple of weeks. And there was a time when Lax Glass wasn't even on the list. And then it kind of made an appearance in the top 10. And then we got to five. And then we moved up a little bit more. But never when Evan was co-hosting, Jamie Dowick was co-hosting, Brad Challoner, Tino, 
Lacks class at the top of the list, according to Coach Shrek lacrosse podcast rankings. And uh, you were on I think board we were number one before. When we, yeah, easy there, Evan. We know we were. We were. Settled. We actually were for a while. You just ruined it. It was us and then off the right one, there. two for a long time on that one. You just ruined Well, you're feeling the, you're feeling the effect there, Jumbo. What can I say? Yeah, the, the, sand, <laughs> the Santino effect, we'll call it. Uh, no, but thanks to Coach Shrek and everybody else that, um, you know, has hopped on board here at Lax Glass as we've cranked out 187 episodes of, of this thing. And like I said, uh, just keeps getting bigger and better. So I want to say, you know, truly a big thank you to, to everybody who is. Become a loyal listener here to, on the podcast. Uh, okay, Lax Class Lux. Don't forget, sign up. Use the bonus code Lax Class. Get free money from the folks at CoolBet. Pretty simple. Takes a couple of minutes. Bonus code Lax Class. Free money. Up to 200 bucks on your first time deposit. We got one more week of NLL games here, guys. So let's knock it out of the park with our final NLL parlay. I don't know if uh, we got the numbers back yet or not, Evan, but I'll let you begin with your selection. Yeah, actually, if you check your text, the number is right there. Okay. Uh, my pick, um, I had the choice between the money line and the handicap. I'm just going to avoid the handicap because if this thing's going to be an exciting final like we hope it will be, let's see maybe if it's an overtime winner. God, if you could bet it was an overtime win, that would be something else. But I'm just going to take the money line straight up take the home team here, the Buffalo Bandits. I just think they're the better team playing at home, playing with the momentum of their fans. I think Buffalo gets it done. All right, Santino. I know you took the, the over last time, even though you were talking like it was going to be an under, you kind of went against yourself a little bit. Well, should we mention both of you have missed the last two weeks? No, we probably shouldn't. <laughs> but oh, let's 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 look at that. Maybe that's not just him. <laughs> Where's the mute button when you need it? So, <laughs> Santino, uh, over under. You're in charge. I'm going to trust you here. What are you taking? Yeah, a uh, wise man, Pat Gregoire, once told me uh, uh, life's too short to bet the under, but I'm going to go against him and I'm going to bet the under, uh, <laughs> under 23 and a half. So, sorry, Pat. <laughs> you know what? I, I think it's going to be right there. Like, I think we're talking 23. I think that's going to be the actual total. They should come up with that if you can nail the actual total. That'd be something. Um, so you're taking money line. Tino's taking the under, which I like. And we're going to take a little prop bet. We're going first goal scored again. We're not taking Zed Williams again. We're going to take the Dane train, the great Dane, Dane Smith, to score the first goal of the game. And I know I say this a lot, but I feel really good about this. Like, I think this is actually going to happen. I really do. So so, so what, we're, what we're assuming now is Dane Smith is not going to be on the floor for the first shift. No, he's going to be out there. He's taking the first shot, and he's scoring on the first shot of the game. I'm just going to say it. You add all those up, boys. We're talking plus 2,500. So 20 pays 520. Book it. Just, you know, I don't know what you want to do with that 500. You could uh, maybe, you know, get some dental work done. You can renew your car insurance for a couple of months. Uh who knows? Buy the brand, buy the bar a round of shots. Five hundo in your pocket if you just uh, follow along. Lax class parlay here. Search bar, put in lacrosse classify. Parlay will show up, and you're not getting those odds anywhere else except right here on Cool Bet. 
com. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. And the PLL odds are already up there, too, if you're interested in that. Um, yeah, and they got what? It, they have a bunch of fi- NLL finals uh, props in there already, yeah, they too. Do, they do. Yeah, you can bet on the series MVP, things like that. One of the interesting ones is uh, is Chaos Redwoods, both who are missing half their offense here at 22 and a half. If, you know, Dino's saying you don't bet the under or don't don't bet the under, well, the under there has got to be pretty damn attractive in this game. Watch all of a sudden it'll be 30 goals scored yeah. just because I said it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. All right. Uh, so there is your lax class lock of the week. And then uh, probably, you know, in the coming weeks here, we'll just focus our attention on the PLL because it's just, you know, it's fun to, to juice it up a little bit and makes the games a little more interesting to watch. So join in the fun. And uh, when you win, praise us royally. And when you lose, uh, it's not our fault. I think that is going to wrap up EP188 here, guys. You guys got anything else you need to get off your chest here before we get you on your way? Other than watching this Australian goalkeeper. Oh, where are we at here? Are just we qualified for the World Cup. you got to watch this when you get off the air. It is absolutely hilarious what he is just doing right now. Okay, because I was wide. They were going to extra time when I hit record. They just won 5-4 on penalties, wow. yeah. Evan. <laughs> I can multitask. No, no. I was going to say, you just ruined me being able to go back and watch that now but anyways uh all right that is gonna wrap it up here for us on ep 188 jordan gillis and dave buchanan thanks for coming on the podcast i already thanked our listeners well do it again appreciate you guys and the way you can thank us back is supporting our sponsors stampede tack and western wear associated labels and packaging rycor construction the new westminster salmon bellies and coolbet.com A big, massive thank you to all our sponsors for continuing to support the podcast. Uh, That is going to wrap it up. We'll be back next week, every week, right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for another episode of Lax Class. But this one is done. For Evan Schemenauer and Tino Farah, I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified. 